welcome to The Real Church Podcast. Our mission is for you to know the love of Jesus and live out your God-given purpose. Now, join us and listen in to the latest message from Pastor David John Phillips. Um, I, it's just an honor to be up here. Sometimes I'm in awe of like, God, do you really know what you're doing? Because, you know, you're going to put me up there. But he does. And we'll talk a little bit more about that. But the first thing I want to do is pray. So, Lord, I just thank you for today. I thank you, Lord, that you are in control. I thank you, Holy Spirit, that you're here. And this is your message. And, God, I give every bit of it to you because I don't want any of it to be about me or what I've planned Lord, I pray for hearts to receive what you have for them today. And Lord, I thank you that you are always faithful. I thank you, Lord, that you're with our pastor, David, and that you are preaching through him as well. You're such a good, good God. In Jesus' name, amen. So those of you that were here before when I spoke, this is my water. And it's very colorful. Today I'm going to share with you a little bit about the early life of David. Before he became King David. And what the Lord has been showing me. I'm excited to share with you how the lives of the people in the Bible have impacted me. I know that David's been sharing a lot about different, um, we call them characters, but y'all, they're real people. They're not fictional characters in a book. They really lived. And these are stories, just baby parts of the stories that we get to glean from. And that it's changed my life and impacted me so much. Um, God has changed my life during the past few months just Um, learning about David, and I have been, God had me there well before David asked me to preach, and my prayer is that you will hear his voice and respond to him so that your life can be radically changed as well. We're going to first read a very long, we're going to read a lot, so just sit back and relax and enjoy the scripture. First first Samuel chapter 16 verses 1 through 13, if you want to go there, if you have your own Bibles, So the Lord said to Samuel, how long will you grieve over Saul since I have rejected him from being king over Israel? So Saul was king over Israel, and Saul was king that the people wanted because Samuel was the prophet that was kind of in charge of Israel, but they didn't want the prophet. They wanted a king just like everybody else. Fill your horn with oil and go. I will send you to Jesse, the Bethlehemite, for I have provided for myself a king among his sons. And Samuel said, how can I go? If Saul hears it, he will kill me. And the Lord said, take a heifer with you and say, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. And invite Jesse to the sacrifice, and I will show you what you shall do. And you shall anoint for me him who I declare to you. Samuel did what the Lord commanded and came to Bethlehem. The elders of the town came to meet him trembling and said, do you come in peaceably? And just stopping right there real quick, I encourage you to kind of go back a few chapters and read because Samuel was kind of intense when the people of God did not obey him. 
I'll just say that. And he said, peaceably, I have come to you to sacrifice to the Lord. Consecrate yourselves and come with me to the sacrifice. And he consecrated Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice. When they came, he looked on Eliab and thought, surely this is the Lord's anointed before, surely the Lord's anointed is before him. But the Lord said to Samuel, do not look on his appearance or the height of his stature because I have rejected him. For the Lord sees, not as man sees. A man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. Then Jesse called Abinadab and made him pass before Samuel, and he said, Neither has the Lord chosen this one. Jesse then made Shammah pass by, and he said, Neither has the Lord chosen this one. And Jesse made seven of his sons pass before Samuel. And Samuel said to Jesse, The Lord has not chosen these. Then Samuel said to Jesse, are all your sons here? And he said, there remains yet the youngest, but behold, he is keeping the sheep. And Samuel said to Jesse, send and get him, for we will not sit down until he comes here. And he sent and brought him in. Now he was ruddy and had beautiful eyes and was handsome. And the Lord said, arise, anoint him, for this is he. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers. And the spirit of the Lord rushed on David from that day forward. And Samuel rose up and went to Ramah. Uh, back then, that was one of the sacrifices. There were many sacrifices. But um, except for the atonement for sin sacrifice, the other sacrifices always had like a, I call it a banquet. There was a meal, either just the priest ate, sometimes the priest and the family. So they had all come together and they said, we're going to have this sacrifice and we're going to have this meal together. And um, David didn't get invited. So... All this time when I have read this story, I just never really put a lot of thought into what was going on in David's life when Samuel came to anoint him. But a few months back, I was studying David, and I was suddenly in awe of his early life. I really started looking at his home situation and how the whole anointing thing kind of went down. I began to ask the Lord questions and dug deeper. I began to realize that David didn't have it so well just never even thought about that before. His father apparently didn't even consider him as one of his sons because Samuel asked him to bring all of his sons, but he didn't bring David. First, Jesse presented to Samuel Eliab. The thing about names in the Bible, you guys, I heard this one time, and I'm just going to share this. If you just pretend like you know what you're pronouncing, people think it's right and you're good. So... He presented Eliab, that's my story, and I'm sticking to it, and was super impressed. So here's Samuel, y'all. This is Samuel. This is a prophet. This is the one that was over all of Israel. And he sees him, and he's like, oh, God, this is a good one. This is awesome, Lord. You picked an awesome one. Look at this man. And he was super impressed. But God said, do not look at his appearance or the height of his stature, because I have rejected him, for the Lord sees not as man sees. Man looks on the outward opinion, appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. And they went through all of the sons and nothing. Samuel had to ask Jesse if there was another. 
And Jesse's like, yeah, I mean, I got the little one. I mean, he's out there keeping the sheep. And Samuel said, we will not sit down until you get him. So he sent somebody to fetch David. Well, fetch, in case you guys don't know, in the south means go get. So he sent somebody to go get David from the pasture. And um, it just blew my mind that David was not presented as a son, nor was he invited to eat with his family. I got to thinking about David out there keeping the sheep. And so scholars say he was anywhere between 10 and 15 years old then. Y'all, that's, that's young. I had no idea. This was, and, and keeping the sheep was a lowly servant's job back then. So if Jesse didn't, apparently he might not have been wealthy or whatever. And so David got the job of keeping the, the sheep. Um, but this is also an extremely dangerous job. The job of the shepherd was not only to keep the sheep, but there were specifically, according to scripture, lions and bears that would come after those sheep. And David had to learn to fight those off to protect his sheep. And not only that, if, they get, if one of those animals got his sheep, now this is, think, think if he was 10 years old, 15, still young, but 10 to 15 years old, running after a bear. He went after them, y'all. He went after that animal and killed that animal to get his sheep back. It's amazing. Little bitty guy. He might not have been little, but he was if he was 10. Um, in my imagination, because I know that if that, were the, if that were me, I know what I would have spent hours a day crying out to God. God, why doesn't my family love me? God, I've done everything that, that they've asked me to do. I stay out here. I keep these sheep. God, I'm afraid. God, here comes a bear. Oh, God, here comes a lion. What am I going to do, God? God, I'm just a little boy. God, I want my daddy. God, I want my mama. Lord, where are you? David spent days, months, years in the presence of God, crying out to him learning from him, worshiping him, fellowshipping with him. I imagine there were some very loud times in my imagination, with me in my imagination, there were some very loud times crying out. And I imagine that there were some sweet, precious worship times that are evidenced in the Psalms. In Psalm 68, 8, it says the earthquake... The heavens poured rain down before God, the one of Sinai, before the God, the God of Israel. That is not the scripture that I thought it was. Let me see. Could be. That is it. So, Psalm 57, 1 through 3. Here we go. 
Be merciful to me, O God, be merciful to me, for in you my soul takes refuge. In the shadow of your wings I will take refuge to the storms of destruction passed by. This was a time that God was developing and preparing David for what he had called him to. What did David do with all that rejection? He worshiped God. During preparation of this message, God reminded me of a lot of times that he took me there. And when we were singing that song, I raise a hallelujah. I raise a hallelujah. That's what David did. Um, so one of the times that God reminded me of is when I, and some of you have heard this, but when I was a little girl in foster home and I had a really, really bad earache and I cried so hard. I was probably maybe five years old and I just remember my ear hurting so bad and I cried and cried and they took me out of the room with the other children and put me on the floor in a hallway because I was, um, keeping the other kids up and I laid there and I prayed Somehow God got to me in the midst of that, that life, and I knew him, and I believed him, and I prayed, God, heal my ear. It hurts so bad, God, and it instantly got healed. And another, the only other, that's one positive memory that I have, and I have one other positive memory because I have very little memory of my childhood and the other positive memory was, and I was in Minnesota, and so I'm thinking it was probably a Catholic church or a Protestant church because that's what we had there. But somehow I remember being able to be back in the kitchen of the church helping the pastor get communion ready. So two things that I remember. God heals. And communion, what it represents, what he died on the cross for me to set free, that he was thinking about me when he did that, and that he had a plan for me. And it was funny, because I just realized that when I was getting ready for this message. I'm like, those are the, I tried to think of another good memory. I have some bad ones, but I tried to think of another good memory, and there's none. And to me, it was just pivotal that he reminded me of those things, because it didn't matter where I was when I was a little girl. It didn't matter what was happening to me when I was a little girl because I belonged to him and he had a plan. Um, so I was abused, dirty, scared. I remember always being afraid. Do any of you remember moments like that as a child or even later in life? or even right now that you're going through. Cry out to God. He's there. He never leaves. He never forsakes. In the story, God told him not to look at outward appearance. Appearance. I hear so many testimonies, and I love them, on, um, and know people that have been set free and healed, and I have been, and I wondered... How would I have seen them before Jesus or in the middle of their struggle with whatever it is that keeps them from God? How would I have seen them? Would I, do I have a heart so in line with God that I'm able to see them how God sees them and to love them as God loves them? I've been praying for a heart that is so full of God's love for his people seeing how far he has brought me, but also knowing how far I have yet to go. 
And I don't know if Josh is in here, but I remember that, there he is back there. I remember talking, having a work. God just showed me, you're a mighty man of God, bud. I can't wait to see what God does with you. And this is when he, probably before he would come into the church, when he was still making it just into the lobby. I saw what God saw, and he would cry when I would talk to him. But God knew that wasn't coming from me. That was coming from his father. Um, I have permission to tell this story, but I have an employee, and his name is Daniel, and he's an amazing man of God. But when I used to work in Orlando, um, he came to work with me, and he was so full of hurt and anger. And I was just starting managing people. God saw fit for me to be in management for some reason, training for what he has. But Dan and I used to butt heads. Oh, my gosh. We, it, was, it didn't matter what it was. It was controversy. It was just bucking. And it was constant. And it wore me out. And it wore him out. But little did I know, but I know God enough to say, God, I don't know what's going on. But I need you because there's stuff in me that's reacting to stuff in him, and I don't like what it looks like. I need you. I know you're in control. I don't know. I don't understand it, but I know you're in control. God used both of us to work on on each other's behalf because I knew in the midst of my pain and frustration, he was doing something great in me. But I had no idea that he was also beginning to break through the walls that Daniel had built in his heart at the same time. So then he left. He worked a year. He made it a year. <laughs> no, he left. It was good. He left to go back to New York with some family and wrote me a really long letter that just, I, I cried probably for a month every time I read that because it was about how being in relationship with me really helped him understand his mom and really gave him a heart to reconcile with family and all of this stuff. And I had no idea God was doing all that. And so we left. It was kind of like a mother-son relationship then. And we left on good terms. And he went to New York and came back. And I guess it had been about three or three and a half years since we worked together. And all of a sudden, he moves back here. And he was at another office. He wasn't at my office, and I had an opening, and I had an opening for a while, and I was like, do I really want to ask him if he wants to come to my office? And I knew the Lord said yes. And Dan and I kept in, in contact, and I knew God had done some things in his life. Um, and I called him one day, and I said, hey, if you want to come here, I would love to have you. And so he came, and we've been working together. He's working for me again, and I'm telling y'all, he came the first time that I spoke here in January, and he left, and he's like, I ain't never been to no church like that before. That's different than anything I've experienced. And he just began to open up to God again, because he had been in the church when he was younger and got greatly rejected and hurt by the church. So now we're in a place where... Like one day I was in my office and I was so stressed out about something and anxious about something. And all, I, all of a sudden I hear all the way across the lobby, Jesus, Jesus, you make the darkness tremble. And I'm like, what? He's out there singing about Jesus. And then so I'm like, so then I start singing it, Jesus, Jesus, you make the darkness. And then I'm like, Jesus, Jesus, 
You silence fear. And I'm like, did you just hear what the next verse was, Daniel? So y'all were up in, in the bank having church. My friends, that is what restoration and redemption looks like. God took him from an angry, hurt person that needed the acceptance of man to make him feel good, that he needed to produce to make him feel good, to just accepting God's love. And he was radically set free. And he is such a joy to work with. It's such a blessing from God. What looked like a curse four years ago is the greatest blessing right now for me. He even, people will say, I've never heard a boss tell their employees that they love them before. And then they're like, and you say it back. That's pretty awesome. I mean, I mean at first I was like, oh, HR moment. But then I'm like, you know what, no. That's not what God is about. It's okay for me to tell my employees when they leave, I love you. Have a good night. Be careful. Right? Amen. God promises to give us a new heart when we submit our lives to him. Checking the time. We can love others as he loves them. I try to make it a practice that is if, if there's anyone I'm struggling to love like Jesus does, I ask the Lord to help me see them as he sees them, and I pray blessings over their lives. At the beginning part of my marriage, um, Jerry and I went south fast, and some of you know part of that testimony, but it was really bad. We were pretty much two people living in a house that we didn't even care and probably hated the other one. Um, And I was running from God for like 10 years. Jerry decided to start following God, and I was not happy about that because I knew I was about to have to deal with some hurt and some pain in me. And so I heard somebody say, ask God how, how he sees Jerry. And so with the strength of the Holy Spirit, because I know that's what it had to be, I just said, okay, God, show me how you see him. And I saw this sprinkler, you know, the one that goes, this is a dance move, too, in case you don't know. I'm not real good at it, but it does that, and then it goes, And I could see this little boy just in this yard, just dancing and running in front of the sprinkler. And it would, every time the water would hit him, he would giggle and laugh. And I could see God just standing there smiling at him, like such joy watching his son. And the Lord told me that every time that water hit him, it was the Holy Spirit just hitting him with more love of God, more love of God, more love of God. God saw him as a precious little boy. Um, he did that because I was obedient to ask, even though I didn't want to. He completely redeemed my marriage, and now I am married to my very best friend. What would it be like if we could see ourselves as God sees us? If you could know how perfectly loved you are by him, you can. Ask him. He's waiting. He wants to show you. Back to the story. When David came in, God said, verse 12, Arise, anoint him, for it is he. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers. And the Spirit of the Lord rushed upon David from that day forward. What man was trying to destroy, God exalted, even in the presence of his enemies. Because see, Jesse and his sons, David's brothers, 
They were preparing to eat, and they were preparing to be anointed. But God prepared a table in the presence of David's enemies and anointed David's head with oil. And I'm talking about, it wasn't no little sprinkle, cry, let me get some anointing oil and put a little cross on your forehead. They did the for real stuff. Like they had a big old horn and they dumped it and there was no question that you were smothered in this anointing oil. Probably took a little while to get that sleeky stuff off for a while. But God saw a heart that loved him. And from the time David was born, God began a process to teach him and prepare him for what he had called him to do. David went from being anointed king to serving the very king that he would be replacing. But also, when David was anointed king at that moment, I'm wondering, you know, God anointed him. He was out in the pasture. He anoints him. So then David's like, sorry, guys. I mean, I'm sure you just saw what went on. The prophet Samuel came and anointed me. He didn't anoint none of y'all. So y'all going to have to find somebody else to go out there to the pasture to keep the sheep because I'm the anointed one now. Is that what David did? Nope. David went right back to the pasture. He went right back to the pasture to serve. David didn't care about a title. He just wanted to serve God. So I was talking about David went from being anointed king to serving the very king he would be replacing. Because the spirit of the Lord departed from King Saul that we talked about the minute that David was anointed. So he began to be tormented by evil spirits. And David because he had spent so much time worshiping, people knew him, was summoned to play music, and the tormenting spirits would leave King Saul. And that's the only time King Saul had peace. So now God has placed David in the very place that he would be king one day. And Saul loved David. I imagined it was so refreshing for David to finally be accepted and valued by someone after he had been rejected by his father and by his brothers. And when Saul didn't need David... David will go back to the pasture, and he would serve. David's, Saul's love wouldn't last long for him, though, because it wasn't long before um, Saul made it his life goal to kill David. And you can read about that later in, the, in 1 Samuel and 2 Samuel. Talk about rejection and betrayal again. Like you just get a little bit of taste of love, and then bam, it hits again. We don't see as God sees and he saw and knew all that David would go through and used it to instill his character in him. David learned patience. He had to wait on God. Even though he was anointed, he had to wait on God's timing. God had some things he needed to do in David's life to prepare him for where he was placing him. He had to learn how to submit to authority. That's a big one. He had to serve a king who was trying to kill him for probably 15 years before David became king. He had to learn how to serve others. So it's one thing serving in a pasture with the sheep. They don't say a whole lot. But David had to serve Saul. He had to serve among other men. And he learned how to have faith in God's promises despite the circumstances. It's all about the process, not the circumstance. 
Don't let your circumstances paralyze you. Um, probably two weeks ago when I was still studying for this, I was feeling good, working out. You know, I put off working out because I, I do not love working out at all. There's no love involved in working out for me. My husband loves it. But I, I, was, I was feeling good. I started back eating healthy. I was working out. And I was getting in the shower, and I took a shower, and I was coming out of the shower, and I always play worship music when I'm in the shower because I sound good when I'm trying to worship in the shower. I mean, you know, there's anointing in the shower. Might be the only place, but that's where the anointing is for me at my house. So I'm totally playing. But I do love to worship, and um, I was coming out of the shower, and there was a song on, and it was like, I'm not even kidding you, so my hair... I had this fine hair, and when I take a shower, do y'all remember the Muppets? Anybody remember the Muppets? Do you remember the animal that played the drums and his hair? That's what I look like when I come out of the shower. And so I don't even know, I don't even want to know what it looked like, but I come out of the shower, and the Holy Spirit hits me. And I, I don't know why I did this, but I turned off the light. Probably I was trying to save God from having to see me the way I looked coming out of the shower, I turned off that light and I hit my knees and I cried. And his love, he just poured out his love. He poured out his love. He poured out his love. And I was just crying and I was praying and I'm like, God, I want your heart. Lord, take my heart. Here's my heart, Lord. I want your heart. And I was crying and crying and I could not stop. He was ministering to me. He was setting me free. And because I was obedient, because literally he told me, worship me. And that's when I turned that light off and I just started worshiping him because it didn't matter. It didn't matter what I looked like. It didn't matter what it sounded like. I groaned from the very depth of my being. And I didn't realize until his love was pouring out on me that I had taken part of my heart and I was holding it from him. I had no idea. I was just doing the church thing coming to church, loving people, loving what God had done in my life. But in the midst of it, I started back protecting my heart. And when his love poured out on me, I saw it. And he's like, Heidi, I need it all. I'm like, okay, God, you can have it all. Um, what's the thing that you're holding back from God? Maybe you're just learning about him. Or maybe you've been coming to church, serving him in different areas. But you are holding one thing that you just can't give him. What person is it that did you so bad? Think of one person in your mind that you're so angry at, that you are so hurt. He wants it. What is that one thing that you've done that, oh, God, you can't, you can't see this? God, he sees it all. All the stuff that goes on in our mind, all the stuff that we do in secret, he sees it. And he still loves us. He still thinks we're amazing. He wants to set us free. What's that one thing? Give it to him. It isn't a one and done thing, people. It's a workout. It's kind of a funny story. Jerry loves to work out. He's my husband. It's great. You can tell he looks good. <laughs> he looks good to me. <laughs> so we decided to get bikes when we first moved here. And I'm like, yeah, I'll ride a bike. Everything that we do is a competition. It doesn't matter if we're brushing our teeth. It doesn't matter. It's always a competition. I feel like we have some other people in here like that. I'm not even going to mention our pastor. 
but I know he is too. So we're riding bikes, right? And I'm, it's just like everything in me. I'm just <sighs> trying to breathe, trying to get up that hill. And here comes Jerry alongside me. And you know when somebody's just kind of cruising and they go backwards on their pedals and it just clicks? It's like tick, 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 tick. And I'm looking at them and I'm mad. I'm like, because I can't even breathe. And it's taking, I'm praying, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And I'm trying to go, and I'm trying to go. I can do all things. Through, and he's just like, tick, 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 tick. and I'm just looking at him like, are you kidding me right now? Like, I, I'm not liking you. Why are you doing this? Don't click your pedals at me. I can't breathe. Um... Everything about Jerry is easy. I feel like everything God does is hard for me. And everything for Jerry is so easy. And there's some people in church sometimes. Have you ever had this happen to you? Because I've had this happen to me where it's like you come into church, you're broken, you're angry, you're afraid, you're hurt. And you see those people, Woo! praise Jesus, hallelujah, yes, he set me free. Oh, glory to God, life is good. Praise you, Jesus, yes, yes. See little fellas dancing across, yeah? And it makes you mad. I'm just being honest with you. This is real church, right? You're lucky I haven't taken these heels off, because that would be real church. Um, it used to make me so angry, and I didn't like them because they were so happy. My friends, you don't know what that person has been through. You don't know what that person has been set free of. Can I get an amen, Josh? You don't know what that person had to struggle through and say, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. You don't know all the times that that person was drowning and they're saying, God, I know that you are faithful. I'm deciding to choose that you are faithful because your word says that you are faithful. Your word says that I can be free. Your word says that I am clean. And I don't believe it, and it doesn't look like it, but God, I am standing on your word in Jesus' name. I don't know what it's going to look like. I don't know how you're going to do it. But I believe you, and I rest in you, God. When nothing in you feels like it, don't quit the struggle. God sees you. There's a song that says, not for a moment has he forsaken you. Not for one moment has he forsaken you. He hasn't left. You might have left, but he was right there waiting. He is right there waiting for you. God has called you and he has chosen you. From before you entered this earth, you belong to him I know life gets tough, but he's a promise keeper, and I'm telling you, he is faithful. Give him a chance. You may have been rejected by the world, but you have been chosen by God, and that is the truth. The truth isn't about what you believe. The truth isn't about what I believe. The truth isn't about what others believe about you. The truth is what God says. And he says you are chosen. He says you are righteous. He says you are beautiful. I saw something somebody posted on Facebook or somewhere the other day, and it just said, I just wish somebody would look at me and tell me I'm beautiful. I said, yes, I tell you you're beautiful in the name of Jesus. You matter. It's like Pastor David always says, 
It is in our kingdom. It's his. You play a part in this. Whatever issue you're going through, are you willing to surrender it to God? Even if you disagree with him? Even if everything inside you tells you no? Even if it's something you don't want to do? I have heard, I have said this myself. When I was thinking about the vision that God gave me for Jerry, I didn't want to be married to him. I didn't like him. I didn't want anything to do with him. And I didn't want my marriage to work. I didn't care. I didn't want him. I was done. I had been done. Completely done. But I said, God, I'm going to give this to you. And I'm going to ask you. And when he showed me that, and I told you the end result, he's my best friend. I can't imagine missing out on that man being my husband. You guys, those of you that know us and know him, it's a perfect match, y'all. God knows what he's doing. Don't go on what you're feeling. What you're feeling means nothing. Zero. Are you willing to just serve him? until he's ready to move you. Some of you have, you might think you should be doing something else or you might sh- you think you should be you know, serving in a different place in the church or you might, whatever it is. David didn't, he just went back out to the sheep. He knew who was on the throne and he knew he was gonna, who was gonna put him in that place when it needed to be done. God, it wasn't David, it wasn't any manipulation of David. And there is no man walking on the face of this earth that can get in the way of God's plan for your life. So when God gets ready to promote you, you will be promoted. You have a pastor, Pastor David, that is constantly sacrificing in so many ways. And I watched him at first. I was like, "Mm, let me see, is he like every other one I've seen? He's not. Y'all, he, I've seen him. I woke up one time, he serves on TV praying in the middle of the night for CTN sometimes. And I happened to wake up one night when I knew he was on there, and I turned it on and began to pray for him. And I I had to watch the whole thing. Every single person that called in, his heart, he really does love people. His heart is to serve people, to see them free, to see them healed, to see them know how much God loves them. And I know he was tired. I I know him. He had them sleepy eyes, you know, but he's just like every person was just like they were Jesus sitting right there with them and he needed to talk to them and love on them and he did it. That's huge. We have a pastor that we can follow his lead. I encourage you to do that. He has anointed you and divinely equipped you. But until you surrender to him, you won't be able to walk in it. You're going to miss out on some stuff. And I'm telling you, what he has for you is for good. It's not for evil. It's to give you a hope and a future. And every single time I have trusted him when nothing made sense in me, it turned out way better than I could even have imagined. In every situation, not just at church, not just with spiritual things, in your life, in your job, in your relationships, in in every person that you meet. You must serve faithfully in the season that you are in, keeping your eyes fixed on Jesus and making a decision to trust him. I didn't say wait until you feel like you can trust him. I'm talking about when a lion and a bear and a nine or 10 foot or however big Goliath was, 
when those things are coming at you, make a decision to pull out that sling and pull out that stone and say with everything in you, regardless of what you're feeling, this day, this day, the Lord will deliver you into my hand. This is the day that God is going to set me free. This is the day that I'm going to get revelation of his love for me so that I can pour it out on others. God, I just thank you so much for today. I thank you, Lord, for your word. I thank you, Holy Spirit, that you're here. Lord, I thank you that you are faithful, that you are true, that what we say about you really is who we are, that when you look at us through the blood of Jesus, that we are clean and we are holy. I thank you, Lord, that you began to prepare in me when I was that little girl, dirty, afraid, and alone in a foster home, that you saw fit for me to experience your faithfulness, your healing, that it wasn't an accident that I was able to prepare communion. Because, Lord, I know that you say do this in remembrance of me and what you did on the cross, that you died so that we could be free, that we could be healed, that we could be saved, that you conquered sin and hell and the grave, and there is no demon anywhere that can touch us, that can hold us down, because in you, Lord, we trust you and we praise you we glorify you. In the wilderness, we sing, I raise a hallelujah to you, God. I raise a hallelujah. Praise you, Jesus. In Jesus' name. Thanks for listening to The Real Church Podcast. If you have questions, comments, or would like to get to know us, be sure to check us out on social media by searching Real Church Clearwater or visit us online at www.realchurch.us. If you'd like to play a part in what we're doing, you can do so right where you are. Your prayers are powerful and effective. You can also be a part through giving. Go to realchurch.us and click the Give button. Whether you're praying, giving, or serving with Real Church, you are playing a part in every life being changed. Thank you. Until our next podcast, be blessed. We'll see you next time.